0: Yo, welcome in guys, coming at you with another podcast. We took about a two-week hiatus. As you guys know, the week four audio was a little corrupted. Week five, we were just a little lazy. I do apologize, but we'll make up for it this episode and just a little bit of a preview. In the next week or so, we're going to be looking and doing a halfway uh, overview, so you can look forward to that. We're going to get you guys some content. And now, I'm Joey, owner of the clams and with me. Aaron,
1: would you like to introduce yourself? You know, the uh, the underperforming Paladins, you know, back at it again.
0: Well, that's a depressing way to introduce, but we'll roll with it. So, we're going to get into our uh, reviews of the Week 6 matchups. Uh, there's, there were a few matchups that, most of them were divisional matchups, which is going to be very key in this playoff race. We have about eight teams or so that are really vying for playoff contention so it's very interesting to see how the seeding going to fluctuate throughout the season we're going to get right into it with the central division leaders the omaha hawks facing off against the chesapeake retrievers the retrievers taking down the hawks 163 and a half to 136 so you lead us off with the retrievers
1: yeah sure thing um this was you know the the retrievers picking up their i believe second wins on the year had an okay performance, scored 163 points, which I think is good for eighth this week. So he kind of got lucky that he faced the other Hawks this week. Pretty pedestrian numbers kind of across the board. You look at Gardner Minshew only putting up 17 points um, against a not so great Detroit, you know, defense. Daryl Henderson, you'd like to see him a little more involved. I I really at this point kind of think they need to. Move away from Malcolm Brown more and just kind of make it a Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson backfield. But Miles Gaskin is proving to be kind of a one in a kind. Um, I can't really think of another player who's come out of such obscurity and played for a significant amount of snaps and only produced at an okay level. Um, he kind of reminds me of like Michael Carter Williams from the 76ers back in 2013, just doing okay on a terrible team. But But hey, Hunter needs running backs, and he has found an okay one, I guess. Uh, Will Fuller having a huge game against the Titans going out there, scoring 21.3 points as Deshaun Watson just lit that Tennessee secondary up in that big shootout. And then Miko Hardman, unfortunately, did not record a stat. I do believe that he played, and he just wasn't involved. It was more uh, Travis Kelsey and Demarcus Robinson. Um, a couple of good catches by Byron Pringle in there as well. Kind of underwhelming performance for the Chiefs, you know, just as a whole. But overall, the skill position players did okay for the Retrievers, especially. I I don't really know if uh, Travis Fulgham, you know, is legit or not. I mean, this dude did absolutely nothing when he was on the Detroit Lions, and whether that's because Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay were already you know in tow. I'm not sure, but he's the only guy that's really producing in that Philadelphia uh, pass receiving core. You know, maybe I kind of thought that, what was it, $102 was a lot to bid on him. But so far, it's kind of paying dividends. Uh, And then another goose egg from Drew Sample. He seems to be very hit or miss, given that he is a blocking tight end. A couple weeks if Joe Burrow's looking at him, he's looked really good. Then there have been weeks like this where he doesn't look at him at all. So kind of not predictive in that sense. And then pretty good week from the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it was very hit or miss there as well. You know, the highs were high with, you know, Eric Hendricks and Roquan Smith, and then Brian Poole and Jesse Bates all scoring nine plus points. But then you look at Chase Winovich scoring one, and then Shaq Barrett and Mike Hilton both putting up goose eggs. Uh, it was an okay performance from this Retrievers team overall. They're another team where I think the wins are going to kind of be few and far in between, but the Retrievers won this week and. Yeah, not
0: much for me to say about the Retrievers, so I'll start with the Hawks. Again, as the division leader, this is not the performance you'd expect. A very pedestrian day for Mahomes, like you said. A majority of the Chiefs having pedestrian or even depressing days. As we saw this past game, the uh, Mike Davis run is coming to an end. There's rumors that CMC will be back before week 9, uh, potentially week 8. So we will uh, have to keep monitoring that. but. His time as a viable starting option is definitely coming to an end. Raheem Mostert, he's been a very solid uh, starting option for the Hawks all season. And now with an injury, he will be sitting on IR mostly, or probably for the rest of the fantasy season, which is very depressing for this roster who was already thin at running back. It's, it's going to be really tough for this team at running back moving forward whenever CMC comes back in the next few weeks. There's a potential for James White to be the only startable option who actually hasn't look, looked too bad, especially when Cam Newton's under center. But overall, if James White is your RB1, you're definitely in trouble. And then looking at the wide receivers, this was a very poor output overall. Um, Calvin Ridley really carrying the performance, and it was mostly due to a touchdown. He would have had 9.1 points without it, which isn't very convincing, but definitely would have been okay but the rest of the receivers uh, john brown played injured put up a goose egg uh scott miller is being pushed back out of the offense uh tyler johnson looked really good so that's someone that's definitely going to eat away at his already limited role in the offense larry fitzgerald you can't expect much from him now in a game when arizona scores 38 i would definitely would expect closer to in the six to eight point range being the floor but That was pretty sad. We look at the tight ends. This is something you expect from this roster, especially George Kittle. The man is just, you know what you're going to get from him. He's the tight end one in fantasy. His scoring output has been the tight end two. Travis Kelsey is running away with it. But George Kittle is just a phenomenal talent. And especially in the upcoming weeks with CMC coming back, It might be time for this roster to finally move one of these tight ends. You saw Rob Gronkowski have a great day. Uh, I believe he put up, yep, five catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. That's looking very good. He's the tight end 19 right now in fantasy. You have TJ Hawkinson, who is the tight end 12. And then, obviously, I already said Kittle's the tight end 2. I believe with just Calvin Ridley and James White being the skill position options that you have confidence in, it's soon getting to the time where these this tight end value needs to be moved for some more skill position value. And then looking onto the defense, for a team that's gone out and built a different type of roster in terms of committing so much value and investment into the defense, especially in this past rookie draft, this was a very poor performance overall. You saw only a total of 7.5 points from the defensive line, a total of 7.5 from the linebackers, and then a total of 18.5 from the secondary, which is pretty mediocre, but we'll take it. But And then you look at his bench. This is the hard part about having so much depth, uh, especially at the IDB positions. You had 12 points from uh, Bud Dupree. You had 10 from Edmonds. And then you had 12 from Ojemudie. But overall, it sucks that he left those points on the bench. Moving forward, it's just going to have to be better with the start-sit decisions, especially with this defense that he's invested so much into. It's just hard for a team that was already in the division lead to lose to a division foe. But overall, the Hawks should have better weeks moving forward. I'm just not confident that he will be able to make much of a run in the playoffs, but I do still see him getting there.
1: Yeah, I think As you mentioned, the big issue for this team is going to be that running back position. And at this point, Ryan's kind of exhausted um, his draft capital, if I recall. I don't think he has a top three round pick. And so that's really going to kind of limit the quality of running back that he receives. I think if he's going to be able to acquire one, it's going to come at the expense of one of these top linebackers on the roster. I don't think that he's going to be able to get a decent running back without parting ways with one of them. And so that's going to have to be something that Ryan has to consider because, yeah, he's definitely going to struggle to make it far in the playoffs, starting uh, James White and, you know, hopefully Ramos is back healthy by then, but he's already you know, gotten two injuries this year. So James White and Gus Edwards, um, that's pretty concerning. So I think I think Ryan's going to have to, you know, maybe look to, Sacrifice a little bit of that defensive depth in order to get just an okay running back option because Matt Rita has surprisingly not worked out at all. And the rest of the running backs just don't offer a whole lot of upside going forward.
0: Now, moving into our next matchup, we had the Denver Duckies taking on the Atlanta Sharks. The Duckies coming out victorious, 176 to 162. So starting right with the Duckies. We got to look at the quarterback position with the news that now Tua Tagovailoa is going to start next week for the Dolphins. For a rebuilding roster, this is great news. He's going to get in to a team that's looking pretty good. They're second in the AFC East. You always want to see the rookie quarterbacks get on to good teams, especially ones that can protect the quarterback. They need time to learn. He's getting his reps early. I think it's a very good sign. And that's something that's going to open up some trade routes potentially for the Duckies moving forward. Having Jared Goff, who's the number 13 quarterback in fantasy this season, and also Drew Brees, who looks much better when Michael Thomas is healthy. So those are two pieces that he could move, at least one of them moving forward. I don't even want to talk about the running backs this past week. They're just absolutely disgusting. This team definitely needs Kamara off a bye to uh, put up respectable numbers at running back. But right now, When you're able to think about next season as a rebuilding roster, starting Kamara and Saquon Barkley, I'm really not worried about it at all. Looking at the receivers, this is definitely the bright spot. It's hard to ignore. You had Keelan Cole put up a huge day, six catches for 143 yards, 17.3 points. T. Higgins putting up 15.7 points himself. And then Justin Jefferson, man, having himself a day, putting up 34.1 points on nine catches, 166 yards. And two receiving touchdowns. I think this is very interesting, especially looking at Higgins and Jefferson, the two that I believe in the most. I, I feel like this is very similar to what we saw with Juju with uh, Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh, where they are the young wide receiver two, And defenses just really aren't respecting them. And so they're just going to keep having field days in a lot of their matchups. Which is going to be really nice for this season and potentially next season. But I'm really interested long term in seeing how these receivers work their way into the wide receiver one roles in their offense and then what their performance looks like. Again, that's going to take some time, going to have some patience. But for right now, the Duckies are just going to keep reaping the rewards of these two. Looking at tight end, it was a very mediocre day. That can be said the same for the defense. Again, Another team with some high highs and some low lows. Buda Baker carrying this defense, like we've mentioned, several weeks, putting up 17 points. BJ Goodson putting up 10 points. Then you had a goose egg from Kerry Hyder, Two points from Jari Alexander, which you wouldn't expect. But overall, I think this team is looking in a better position. Now for the rebuild, Um, I do like uh, the trio in Keenan Allen, T. Higgins, and Justin Jefferson moving forward. I still think Keenan Allen is going to be a great receiving option for the next two to three years, which is the rebuilding window. So overall, if he can find some nice wide receiver twos and potentially uh, some... Obviously, he's going to need a lot better uh, talent on defense, but I think he's in... I'm more optimistic about his turnaround for his rebuild, but it's all going to come down to this draft and this offseason and what moves he can make out of it.
1: Yeah, Justin Jefferson uh, has officially gotten the rocket strapped on his back. I've already been seeing him in polls on Twitter. People are saying they would take Juju or they would take him over Juju. they take him over Mike Evans, take him over Amari Cooper. And uh, I don't know if I'd quite go that far, but so far, um, it's definitely paid dividends. Was that a late first round pick that Jefferson went? And it's certainly paid off so far for the Duckies. Moving along to the Sharks, they had an okay week, uh, 162.04, uh, but it wasn't enough to get, you know, the win or the top six. Um, okay performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick, although that window seems to have closed now that Tua has taken over in that starting role in Miami. Running back obviously is the big weak spot on this roster. It was nice to have Philip Lindsay come back, and he put up an okay ten points. It'll be interesting now that he's healthy in conjunction with the whole Melvin Gordon DUI situation. uh, How involved Philip Lindsay is in the offense going forward? J.K. Dobbins is starting to get a little concerning for me. I mean, I feel like every week the talk is that you know they need to get this guy more involved, and he get more involved, yet. Gus Edwards is getting more work and does more with it than J.K. Dobbins is doing. I'm pretty concerned about him in that sense. I mean, I was never the biggest fan of Dobbins to begin with, but it really is not working out so far. And hopefully, you know, for Jabir's sake, he he can start to recoup some of that value that he's lost over the course of uh, this first half of the year. And then Alexander Madison just really kind of you know dropped the ball. Dalvin Cook was out. Madison was in a prime position to have a great week and he comes away with nothing. Looking at the wide receivers for this roster, another guy who has the, the Rocket strapped on him is Chase Claypool. Not quite a four touchdown performance this week, but still put up a pretty good 16 points. I know that Jabir and Jason were kind of going at it in that group chat the other day, but he he really is impressing, although I don't think he's anywhere close to, you know, top 20 in terms of value yet. Jabir definitely you know, kind of struck gold, though. Um, I don't have the draft pulled up, but I want to say that he was an early third-round pick in our league, and now he's certainly tripled that value probably even more. And then A.J. Brown, I think people just forgot how good he is based on the fact that he missed several weeks to open the season. And I'm going to be completely honest. When there was, what, seven seconds left and Ryan Tanhill was throwing – I thought he was just throwing it, you know, out of balance to, uh, you know, stop the clock, which kind of confused me because why wouldn't they just spike it? But then all of a sudden, I see AJ Brown just leap up in the air and snag the ball, which completely surprised me. He's a beast. I really miss having him on my roster, but he's found a better home, I suppose. And then he started Khalif Raymond due to just not having particularly better options, though so, Tyler Lock was on by, so you can't really blame him too much. And then at tight end, he went with the double tight end strategy and didn't get too much. Robert Tanyan had a very quiet game, and Tyler Higby was okay. Um, Interesting to note that he didn't start Evan Ingram, even though he was healthy and played. Maybe is kind of cooling off on Evan Ingram a little bit. I'm not sure. Maybe that's just, um, you know, starting rumors that don't actually exist. But anyway... Pretty solid performance all around the defensive end. The defensive line was a little weak and probably cost him the week here as Chase Young and Demarcus Lawrence only combined for four points. Um, everywhere else had pretty solid production. Uh, Michael Kaiser having double digit points and Jeffrey Simmons uh, beasting on the Houston Texans O line, putting up nine points. And this was a pretty encouraging performance for the Sharks. Again, had some key players on by. If Tyler Lockett played this week, There's a good chance he walks away with a one-on-one week. But unfortunately, that's just not how the cookie crumbled. And Jabir comes away uh, now looking at one and 11 on the year. All right, moving on to our third matchup here. We had the Boston Clams versus the Pine Grove Grovers. And in what I would say is a pretty big upset, the, the Clams came out on top with a score of 176 to 129. Looking at the Clams, he started Kyler Murray. which again, you know, it's very risky week on week to start Murray over Josh Allen. Uh, However, I did see that obviously Kyler Murray had a far better game this week, putting up 31 points to Josh Allen 16. But Kyler Murray at this point, I think he's one of only two players in the league to finish in the top 12 every single week so far this year. It's just him and Travis Kelsey. So it's pretty impressive that Kyler... While he hasn't quite had the highs that Josh Allen has had, he's definitely been arguably the most consistent QB in the league so far. And then at running back, I think we have to talk about the fact that DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson split the carries, yet DeAndre Swift was leaps and bounds more effective than AP. It might be the the passing of the torch there. I mean, I've mean, i always thought Swift was... I still think he was the best running back from this past draft class, but Detroit, I just didn't have confidence they would use him. But if they, you know, start to get him more involved in the offense and start moving on from AP and carry on, I could definitely see DeAndre Swift coming in and being, you know, a top 12 to 15 back next year. And then link performances from David Montgomery and Kareem Hunt, not too much to comment on there. I think it's incredibly ballsy that Joey, you started Christian Kirk after, you know, trading for him. Obviously, you've been a fan of his. You owned him earlier this offseason before you traded him to Nick for a first-round pick and you ended up reacquiring him for a first you traded a first and you got Christian Kirk in a two he had a really good fantasy performance but I don't think he was incredibly involved I think he only had four catches and or three catches uh, just had two you know big touchdowns which really bolstered his fantasy performance no discredit there you know maybe Kyler's going to start looking at this way more after, you know, a big performance like this. I think the real concern has to be Juju Smith-Schuster. What, what's going on with him? You know, last year, it was really easy to say that the issue is that Doug Hodges and Mason Rudolph suck at football, and that's why he wasn't the Juju of old. But Juju's been healthy this year. Deontay Johnson hasn't been. You know, you would think that would mean more opportunity for Juju, but he really has not been very good this year. I mean, outside of Week One against the Giants, you're looking at eight points against Denver, a respectable thirteen against Houston, and then four and one point uh, these past two weeks. I really, I'm starting to get a little concerned about him. I'm not to the point where I'm taking Claypool over him or you know any of these other rookies really, but it is concerning that he's you know just having. Not the best season so far, and I really do hope that it turns around for him because I do like Juju a lot. I've tried inquiring about him in the past, no avail. Big goose egg for Mike Kiseki at tight end. Um, not much that could have been done about that, especially looking at the other options on your bench. It wouldn't have really mattered. And then on the defensive side of the ball, pretty okay performances from everybody. Derek Barnett was the, the lowest scorer with one point, And then... Miles Garrett continued his, his run at the top. I believe he's the number one defensive end in the league so far. Uh, and then obviously the big talk of uh, you know the point of contention is the Devin Bush injury. That's yet another player who tears their ACL from the Clams. Add him to the list of Cortland Sutton, Saquon Barkley, probably a dozen more last year, uh, Derwin James. Uh, it just, it's just really bad, and that kind of leaves you in a bit of a pinch i mean you'll have bradley chubb and the the low upside of john Bossick, but definitely a big blow there but yeah it was an all-around all right performance i mean 176 it was good enough to get you two and oh for the week but really i think the big takeaway here was just a uh, a very poor performance from the grovers
0: i agree and just some real quick touch points uh for the clams uh i know all season everyone we It was mentioned on several pods. It's like, at what point do you just give up on Kyler and start Josh Allen every week? But if you look at the fantasy output from this season, overall, Josh Allen is the number two fantasy quarterback at 162.74 points. Kyler Murray's number three at 162.48. That is legitimately a difference of 0.24 points. It really is not that big of a separation. And so all season, it's kind of, for me, it's just been a guessing game uh, based on matchup. Uh, Obviously, the Dallas defense is horrendous, very similar to uh, Seattle. And so I was very comfortable in that matchup. It's just something that moving forward, I'm still comfortable moving one, regardless which one it is, but at the same time, having that flexibility and being able to guess correctly is going to be very nice moving forward if I can do that. you touched on Juju. I think this is going to sound really weird, and it's not very anic- analytically based, but Juju is just so atypical in terms of personality compared to so many other wide receiver ones, both current and in the past. There's just been a stereotype of wide receiver ones being divas, you know, being ball hogs. It's, it's been the same for decades. And Juju just doesn't fit that role. He's definitely more of a team player. And so I think personally, as the owner, I like having a guy with good character and whatnot. Like that's something that is just a little bit of an added cherry on top of a player in terms of value. But it's hard when he's not actually demanding targets. I'm also very curious about Mike Jasicki moving forward. I want to touch on that a little bit more. Uh, especially now with Tua coming into the starting role. I'm very curious to see uh, how the change in offense overall changes from uh, Fitzpatrick to Tua. Uh, there's so many weapons in that. Well, you have Preston Williams, you have Devonte Parker, you have Mike Jasicki, uh, realistically. And I'm very curious how, how spread the targets are going to be based on Tua's looks. So obviously I'm hoping that Jasicki gets the primary focus, but we will see moving forward. Now my rant's over. We can move on to the Grovers, starting right with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the number twelve uh, fantasy quarterback this season. You do not expect a two-point performance from Aaron Rodgers, let alone anybody that's the number twelve fantasy quarterback. This was absolutely horrid. Uh, he had he couldn't find the end zone. His two picks, he threw under fifty percent completion. He didn't hit two hundred yards. It was just it was a real shitty day from this Packers offense overall. It. You don't expect it. I don't. This has to be his lowest performance all year. I don't see him repeating this. So I'm not going to harp on it too bad. It was just very unfortunate that it came this week. And again, a very important divisional matchup. But I really want to talk about Zeke. With Dak out and this Cowboys D defense being absolutely horrid, which I touched on before, the Cowboys are going to be behind in so many matchups moving forward. And that's just. You never want a running back in that scenario unless you're someone like Austin Eckler or Alvin Kamara who makes a living on catching out of the backfield. You saw Zeke here have eight catches for 31 yards, and that really saved his day. Having that receiving work, he showed he can catch the ball, but that's not part of his repertoire realistically. Uh, that's not something you can re- depend on. Maybe with Andy Dahl checking it down, not feeling comfortable. But when you have weapons like Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb, I expect the ball to be pushed downfield. Again, when he's running the ball, he looks efficient. This is another offensive line that's a little banged up, uh, so which is a little bit annoying. But Zeke is just someone where you have to drop the ceiling expectation moving forward. You expect him to be an RB1 putting up 20-plus points uh, in an ideal scenario, but in this case, I'm if he exceeds fifteen points, I, I think that's gonna be a win. Uh, he's gonna be living in the 15 to 20 point range for the rest of the season, in my opinion, obviously having a few more better games and a few worse. But that's not something that you want to say as a Zeke owner. So that's going to suffer Dylan, uh, who's seen a lot of running back injuries this season. So, hopefully, Eckler can come back and help that running back room. I think Freeman is going to be a very good piece to hold on to moving forward. I'm not too worried about the running backs yet, though. I just definitely think the ceiling expectation needs to drop for this room. Looking at the receivers, I'm going to skip over Cooper. Julian Edelman has looked like shit the past few weeks. uh, So has the Patriots offense. Realistically, James White is the only nice piece. Uh, Looking at Mike Evans. My, both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin had pretty depressing weeks. And that's shocking to say when you see them put up 38 points. I still think Mike Evans is a wide receiver one in this offense. This was just a terrible performance. I didn't watch the game, but again, I would assume he was shattered by Jari Alexander. This is something that I've mentioned in previous pods. Jari Alexander is turning out to be a top tier corner, like legitimately top three at worst top five. And so when I see an opposing wide receiver one have a bad day, it's starting to be anticipated at this point. So I'm not worried about Evans. We've harped on T.Y. Hilton in the past. He's dead. He's done. Get him a grave. Uh, Cooper Cup. This is somebody who I, in this league specifically, has just been overvalued, I think, in the past year um, based on previous performances. The man made a living on tearing apart his own defenses, uh, himself and McVay's scheme in general. But defenses have kind of figured that out, which is why the Rams were pushed into that 12 personnel last year. Cooper Cup is going to have very few days where he feels like he's performing at the price that people paid for him in the past in this league. Uh, He's currently the wide receiver 24, but I just don't feel comfortable seeing him finish top 25, to be honest with you. Uh, Robert Woods is definitely the wide receiver one. I don't think it's a contest. And so overall, having Julian Edelman, T.Y. Hillen, and Cooper Cup underperform their current price, I believe, around the league is going to hurt Dylan for sure. Uh, In a wide receiver room that we felt much better about last year, it's Definitely not looking ideal into this year, which is very sad for a team like we've talked before coming so close to the title. You'd expect performances to carry over from year to year, but really it's going downhill. Um, Trey Barton was a very nice start, uh, especially with Darren Waller and Hunter Henry on a bye this week. It uh, got great performance out of that uh, start, the quick pickup. On um, defense, you definitely had an above average week with uh, J.J. Watt, Blake Martinez, and Justin Simmons. Uh, kind of leading the way. It was very nice to have that consistency out of the defense. But like you mentioned, this was just a really down week for the team. I'm definitely not feeling great about the Grovers' chances at a title this season at this point. I think they're going to, in the end, have a, put up a really nice fight to get into the playoffs. I can see, I definitely still see them getting in. But similar to the Hawks, I just don't feel confident in their chances, which really sucks for another team that went all in.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I just kind of feel like injuries have just plagued this team so much. Losing Saquon, then losing Austin Eckler, losing Marlon Mack, who I forgot about. It's just really kind of forced this team to make moves on the fly to try to acquire running backs. And that ultimately kind of led to this most recent trade where he acquired... Uh, Tony Pollard and Justin Jackson, are just security blankets for his two starting running backs. It is very concerning with this team. I guess I'll kind of agree with the Cooper Cup take. I mean, I've I love Cooper Cup as a player, and when we did our startup, I was super high on him. I drafted him, but yeah, just things have been things have changed in Los Angeles, and he's just not used the same way that he was previously. I mean, he'll still have good weeks here and there, but it's just not the same as it was in the past. Um, Trey Burton. Dylan's very fortunate that Darren Waller and Hunter Henry were on by this week because otherwise he's not starting Trey Burton. And if he's not starting Trey Burton, I think Dylan would have ended up with the least points in league history. Putting up a paltry, you know, what's that? That'd be 109 points on the week. He got very lucky there. And this might be the first time I've ever seen a kicker get started and score negative points. (laughs) Yeah, it's a solid team. Just had a really bad week from his best players. You know, if you're Dylan, you're hoping that that trend kind of reverses going forward, but going to be kind of difficult to see it improving unless the the Cowboys start involving Zeke more and Tom Brady and Mike Evans start connecting more regularly. A little questionable right now for the, the Grovers.
0: Looking into our next matchup, again, a very important divisional matchup. We had the Winnipeg Wendigos take down the Metropolis Magicians with a score of 176. about 163 this was a huge win for the wendigos putting them in second place in the division at eight and four and dropping the magicians down to ten and two this is cole mentioned it in the group me a little bit earlier today but the east is uh, once again looking like a very interesting division uh same with the west but obviously i'm a little biased you have the magicians sitting at ten and two both the wendigos and the grovers at eight and four and the clams at six and six all four teams have scored over 1,070 points, which again, the West has also done, but I really am curious how this division is going to play out long-term, but getting this win could be huge and a tiebreaker moving forward for the Wendigos. You had Brian Flores put up 13 points, great performance from the coach spot. Jimmy Garoppolo looked much better this week. He definitely looked healthier. Uh, Having all his Weapons healthy and present, and Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle looked very good. With him most are down. this San Francisco offense might look to air out the ball a little bit more, which could look really good for any uh, San Francisco passing uh, weapon moving forward. Looking at the running back position, this is how we mentioned before it's going to be J- the James Robinson show, and then it's going to be very dependent on the start sit. Again, he could only get. It looks like a maximum of 0.4 more points if he had a more optimal. But in a week that James Robinson was not performing to what we've come to expect, it would have been very nice to have another uh, startable running back that you felt confident in. And that's one thing that moving forward with a team that has such a shot now taking down the division leader, I fully anticipate this roster to go out and look for a running back moving forward. And I know we've mentioned uh, several teams now that are going to be looking for running backs moving forward. Running backs are always such a covetal position, so it's going to be very interesting moving forward who can take advantage of the running backs that are on the block to try and help them with a the playoff push. Uh, James Robinson, I mentioned a little bit earlier, he had a much worst day than we anticipated and that we've come used to only carrying the ball 12 times for 30 yards catching the ball four times for 24 and a touchdown uh we've mentioned before that james robinson is more involved in the passing game than we anticipated which is definitely boosting his floor which is very nice if your floor is a 12.3 point game he should be very happy about that moving forward now looking at the receivers this was a very pedestrian day overall um you had dj Chark catching seven balls for only 45 yards uh which is good in a 0.5 ppr uh format but it's good enough but nobody else on the roster had more than three catches which is very scary Uh, michael gallup as the wide receiver three in dallas with Andy Dalton, just not living up to X, I honestly thought he was going to do much better, especially with the weapons he had around him. He did not come even close. Uh, Marvin Jones has been disappointing all year. And then again, I mentioned earlier, with is I'm very curious how the target spread is going to turn out in Miami. So I'm not really going to talk much about Parker and Williams because it could be completely different in coming weeks, but I'm going to throw Jonah Smith in there as well. Only catching one ball for 13 yards. By all receiving weapons on this team, it was a very depressing day. And the fact that he was able to get a win and put up 176 points, which is very respectable, he should be very happy about that. And he's going to be very happy about his defense. This is something that we've mentioned in previous weeks, that having defenses that put up high ceiling points is such a nice difference maker in a week where Everybody else did mediocre to poor in this entire matchup from both teams. Having your defensive side of the ball put up these key points is so nice. Um, and even the kicker putting up 11. You had Bullock put 11. You had Ogba put up 12. Uh, Schobert 12 and a half. And everybody else. I think the lowest score on his defense. Was six and a half points from Tracy Walker in the secondary. That's phenomenal to have six and a half points as your low, and and twelve point five as your high. That just shows how consistent it was across the board. So this should be uh, a very good feeling for Nick to get this win, and he should really hope for this consistency to continue. Just taking a look, a quick look on the bench because I wanted to mention this was very interesting. I talked about his start sit decision with his running backs, but now that he has seven it looks like potentially eight startable wide receivers it's going to be important with the start sit in that position as well and this week he decided to sit aj green and debo samuel who combined let's see they scored 28.6 combined and the five receivers he started scored 26.9 so leaving those two on the bench definitely hurt he got lucky that the magicians had an off week With uh, Chris Carson on by, Dalvin Cook not playing, Josh Jacobs on by. This was a great week, great week to run into the Magicians. And Nick was just able to take advantage of it. Moving forward, uh, obviously you're going to talk about the Magicians next. But I'm really not concerned about them. I still think they're the league favorite. Uh, They're definitely the division favorite. And I think Nick potentially just got the luck of the draw in terms of scheduling this week.
1: Yeah, I know you took the words kind of right out of my mouth there about the luck of the draw and scheduling. Uh, Real quick to touch on Nick's team, though, I mean, those receivers, I mean, when you have that many, I mean, I know that Nick loves receivers. I mean, I love receivers way more than running backs, too. But we've seen, I think, really the difference maker this year so far has been the teams that have that high-end defensive production are really the kind of big contenders. You know, with a good offense and Nick has a good offense outside of, you know, a solid RB2, especially with Russell Wilson. So maybe it's time to, I mean, he has plenty of draft capital, so he might not even have to move any of that. But maybe just moving a receiver and trying to get a lower end running back option, you know, might kind of do wonders for this team in terms of competing and still having all that draft capital for future years. So. With that being said, I'll kind of just move into the magicians who, like you mentioned, this, Devin knew he was going to lose this week when you're missing Chris Carson and Josh Jacobs, and then Dalvin Cook, you know, was hurt. There's no way he was going to win this matchup, but he still put up 163 points, which I believe was eighth, eighth or ninth in points. So he wasn't even the worst scorer in the league. He lost Zach Prescott for the year, which obviously is really bad, but Ryan Tannehill, He is starting to prove to people that he is not just this, you know, game manager, low upside QB play. I mean, this is, you know, 30 points this week. You know, you look previous weeks, he put up 33. uh, He had a really bad game against the Vikings, but then 31 against the Jaguars. Like he is putting up consistent points and the Titans have already had their bye. So. Devin is in really good shape there, in my opinion. He might still need to acquire a lower-end QB option, but for right now, he is rock-solid there. Given the fact that all of his running backs were out, he had to start Antonio Gibson and Rex Burkhead, who didn't do a whole lot. Antonio Gibson, you'd like to see a little bit more out of him, especially when it's in that kind of close of a game between the football team and the Giants, but he's a rookie who's still just getting acclimated to the position Devin elected to go with the five receiver start this week, which made sense given his team composition. Uh, Robbie Anderson is a guy who he right now, I, I don't think he's looked better than DJ Moore. I think their target numbers have been very similar. It's just that Robbie Anderson has been taking a lot of the run after the catch opportunities. And that's something that we saw with DJ Moore do last year. And I think that's what a lot of people were expecting out of DJ Moore this year. It just really hasn't worked out that way so far, but Robbie Anderson is probably the surprise, you know, out of nowhere player, you know, of the year. Obviously, Miles Gaskin and James Robinson are probably up there, but I think I would go with Anderson just because he was completely left for dead even after, you know, moving away from New York this past off season. Fon Diggs is another guy who I think everyone wrote off too quickly, uh, myself included. I was very down on the move to Buffalo, but I believe he's still in the top five to seven in terms of receiving yardage on the year and he comes out of this week with six for 46 and a touchdown he's looked like just as good as he did with minnesota and that's with josh allen improving maybe those two you know kind of go hand in hand i'm not entirely sure but good performance from him solid performance from cole beasley who he needed to start in this pinch and then a great game from kenny galladay even though he didn't have a touchdown and then on the defensive side Another team that had the the highs and the lows, 15 points from Marlon Humphrey. That's pretty ridiculous from a cornerback. Another 10 from Von Bell, who you know got lucky with his nine tackles. Not a single one was a assisted tackle, so he just got nine straight points for that. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you look at Dalvin Tomlinson, who, of his eight tackles, only one of them was a solo, so he only comes away with four and a half points. And then some pretty low performances from the rest of the group here, but... It was an alright performance from the Magicians, even at their worst. So I'm not worried about this team at all going forward. Though I do think it's interesting to just look and, you know, this season so far, we've seen that like 180, 190 is typically what you need to to win on a given week. To, or to be in the top six, let me rephrase it that way, you have to be in that 180 range. But if anyone put up 180 this week in all but one matchup, they would have won. Uh, this was just a very low scoring week in general. And so it's just kind of interesting to look at, you know, how much of an anomaly this week is compared to all the other weeks. Coming into our fifth matchup of the week, we had the Los Angeles Wildfire sneaking away with the victory over myself, the Paladins, by a score of 173 to 167.7. will start with Cole's team here. Uh, Lamar Jackson putting up a relatively good fantasy performance. He's been kind of getting, you know, ragged on a little bit this season about how he's not lived up to that, you know, QB2 price tag from this offseason. And even today, it wasn't, you know, incredible. He had that super long rushing touchdown, which makes his performance look a lot better than it really was. But that's not really fair analysis to say that if he didn't do that, you know, good play, he wouldn't have had a good week because it did happen. So I can't take that away from him. All around, underwhelming performances from the the running backs. I mean, they all did well, but given the, the name talent that's there, Jonathan Taylor has kind of been slow after, you know, a big start to the year. Joe Mixon had a rushing touchdown, but was also vultured by Gio Bernard. And then Aaron Jones, I mean, that whole Green Bay offense looked horrible. He only went 10 for 15 and then had three receptions for 26 yards. So, cumulatively, in terms of points, it was an okay performance, but this is not what you expect from this team, especially from that position group. And very similarly, you can look at the receivers. Odell Beckham did next to nothing. Tyree Kill did next to nothing, which was very surprising. Those two came away with less than four points apiece. And then, okay games from Marquise Brown and Terry McLaurin was the, the star, quote-unquote, with a 7-for-74 seven performance, but... This team has invested so heavily in those skill positions, and this is probably close to the worst-case scenario. It just very much bottom-of-the-barrel performances here. And then Hayden Hurst had a nice 35-yard touchdown to you know salvage a 13.7 performance. And the player that lost me this week was Young-Hoku. <laughs> Thank you, Nick, for dropping him and allowing Cole to pick him up. As this dude had four field goals and four extra points, and of course he had two long distance field goals, come away with 20 points on the week. Uh, looking at defense, okay performances from a lot of guys. Bobby Okereke was a bit of a interesting start over Darius Leonard, but it worked out. Jeremy Chin did well. He's been really good this year replacing Eric Reed. Maybe not so much in terms of the talent, but just you know, kind of filling that in-the-box safety role. Jalen Smith did really well, 9.5 points. Although Leighton Vander Esch, I believe, comes back next week. So it'll be interesting to see if Smith continues to man the middle of that defense. And then kind of middling performances from everybody else. um, Not a whole lot to talk about on the bench. It was a really down week for the Wildfire. But luckily for him, it was enough to come away with another two and a week as he squeaked in with the, the six most points this week.
0: Yeah. Not much for me to say about the wildfire um, going right at you, the paladins. I think we need to address the weak spot. It's the elephant in the room. It feels like every single week at that quarterback position. And this is something as an owner, I feel like you're struggling with uh, as a concept in a one-quarterback league, everybody knows that quarterbacks aren't as important, uh, especially when compared to Superflex leagues or 2QB leagues, which makes common sense. But even so, uh, your number one quarterback I have written down is the quarterback 23, and that's Matt Stafford. So just for uh, numbers perspective so everybody can kind of get a grasp on this, Matt Stafford has scored 89.5 points. The next the highest reasonable, I'm going to go as to number five, uh, which would be Dak Prescott, has scored 138.5. That's that's a huge difference, especially when we've only played six weeks so far. And even we can talk uh, the number four quarterback, is Russell Wilson, scoring 161. That's a little out of reach in terms of comparison. But looking at Dak, that's an extra nearly 50 points on top of what you could have, and it's. I know that it's hard to invest into a position that doesn't seem as important, but from my analytical standpoint, I believe it's going to, if you really want to compete for a title, it's time to bite the bullet and lose on value in a deal, uh, moving one of your uh, skill position players to get that high-end quarterback talent. That is the last piece of the puzzle for this roster. You're sitting at 5-7, and I believe, uh, based on the standings you shared today. And th- this is not a five and seven roster. And I understand that Michael Thomas, uh, Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb have been injured, have missed games, will miss several games, but this is still a team that has put up uh, upper end uh, point totals. And in close matchups, you're just not getting that extra punch that you need. Uh, you're, you're seeing across the league, um, a lot of teams, the quarterback uh, performance that teams have come to expect is really 23 points, 24 points, and higher. And you're getting about 18 to 20 on a good week. And that's really where the difference is coming from. Um, I know that was a little harsh, so I'm going to cut that short. Uh, we'll move next on to the running backs. Having starting only two running backs this week, it was still a very good week. Uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, he looked good when he got the ball. Uh, again, he only touched it nine times because of an injury. He will be out from what I'm hearing on Thursday night, which is definitely going to suck for you with already having Nick Chubb on IR. But I think the bigger touch point is going to be Ceh, uh, especially with the Bell trade to uh, Kansas City. There's, I've talked to a lot of people about this, and I think you personally were the biggest anti Lavion Bell perspective you mentioned that after his year off he just hasn't looked the same in conversations we've had privately i'm very impressed on your take in terms of not being worried as a ch owner i feel like a lot of people have and i know that uh having bell go to kansas city kind of uh, changed his untouchable status to available for trade which is a reactionary which is reasonable but i think ch put that to rest uh, now again, that could just be because Bell hasn't had time to learn the playbook, which a lot of people are going to use as a, a conversation point. But Ch has looked good all year, and we've mentioned before this is his ceiling, and he hasn't even scored touchdowns. There's been so many weeks when he's gotten so so much volume, and he's been efficient with it, and just hasn't found the end zone. So when he does start to find the end zone, because touchdowns are inevitable for good players, I think his value is going to skyrocket. So I'm very curious to see, uh, what offers you do get for him. If anybody tries to buy him, but overall, I think the Miles Sanders injury is going to hurt and he really needs to get healthy because I don't your running back core cannot afford another injury. I'm very curious to see what you're going to do for the, uh, second starting running back position next week, looking at the wide receivers, very mediocre day for everybody. Um, DeAndre Hopkins only had two, ca- two catches, uh, was salvaged thanks to yardage. Uh, Tyler Boyd had five catches, putting up 9.4 points. Brandon Cooks had a very nice day. Uh, he's starting to become a little more integrated into that offense, uh, which you were hoping for with your investment into him. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, still putting up very good numbers, uh, even with the Cowboys offense looking horrendous. Him and uh, Cooper didn't look terrible. Uh, and then Alan Robinson had a, another mediocre day. I expected him to have a bigger day against Carolina, but overall, I think for the five wide receiver start, everyone did a pretty okay job. I'm not going to complain, uh, but looking at Mark Andrews, uh, besides the quarterback position, I'm just in awe of how Mark Andrews only had three points this week, this season and in past seasons, tight ends have feasted. They've torched the Philly defense. And when Mark Andrews, and I believe, is a top three, top four talent at the tight end position, to only get two catches for 21 yards is quite honestly abysmal compared to what I was expecting from him. And so I think it's very scary looking at him moving forward, as his talent is just not matching his fantasy output. He's become such a feast or famine player, and it feels so weird. Uh, week one he had 20 points. Week two, three and a half. Week three, two and a half. Four. Week four, he had 19, week five, he had 15, and then this week he had three. It's just, it's so weird, the spikes that he's having, and it's so volatile as it's kind of helping, uh, along with your quarterback position, kind of determine the outcome of your weeks. Again, I wouldn't be worried about it because of the talent there, but overall, I believe him and Lamar Jackson, they both just need to start living up to their talent uh, and having their talent match their fantasy production. Moving on to... The defense, uh, it was a pretty all-around okay day. And definitely don't like the goose egg out of Apke. But uh, Williamson and uh, Willis putting up 11 points was very nice. Uh, Defensive line was mediocre. Overall, I feel like saying pedestrian, saying average uh, so often this week for your team. And that's just not what you expect. But again, when you have so many injuries to your top tier talent, that's what's going to happen.
1: I do want to comment on the, the QB topic. I definitely agree, You know, even coming into this year, that if I didn't make a move at QB, I was going to not compete, even though I have, objectively, a pretty ridiculous running back, receiving, and a tight end group altogether. All I had was a second-round pick, and looking around the league, the only opportunity I really had to use that second-round pick and get a quarterback was from Dylan who already had Rodgers and Drew Locke. And then obviously Herbert, uh, though he wasn't supposed to be a starter at the time. And so Matt Stafford was available. And last year before he got hurt, he was top six, top eight, um, maybe even higher. I definitely remember him being a lot better than he's been this year. And so I thought that was my best opportunity at the quarterback position. Unfortunately, just so far this year, it hasn't worked out. Hopefully, they start to air the ball out. I did see a comment from Daryl Bevel about how Marvin Jones wants the ball more and how they are going to look to start throwing it more. Hopefully that comes to fruition. But yeah, I mean, I just don't think I can justify with with my group. I just can't see a player that I can talk myself into trading for a quarterback outside of maybe Brandon Cooks. But even him, he's the wide receiver too. Overall, the past two weeks and. Do I really want to sell Brandon Cooks in that scenario, given how my injuries have kind of been playing out this year? Maybe it's at the point where I might just accept that I have a really good core, but it just luck didn't bounce my way this year. I'm still going to try to compete. I'm going to try and see if I can do something, but I just am not willing to take that hit for uh, a short term. I don't want to be short-sighted with my roster, especially given that I'm already significantly behind the fact that i lost to the grovers i lost to the wildfire I lost to the high tide who are all ahead of me in the standings i just want to make sure i'm going at things you know long term in mind because this is dynasty it's not one year and there are already several elite teams that are you know standing in the way so all right and we've spoken about how this was kind of a down week in scoring well there was one matchup that you know Took that and laughed at it, as the Scaro spiders and Honolulu high tide combined for 455 points between the pair. The spiders coming away with a 246.1 to 207.64 victory. As Jason mentioned in the group chat, if he had made some different start sit start sit decisions, this would have been the highest scoring performance in league history. You still can't complain when you score two hundred and forty-six points. Deshaun Watson, I mentioned how he was lighting it up. Maybe now that Bill O'Brien is gone, this team can start to air it out more. They have really good receiving options. You know, when they're all healthy, you know, Brandon Cooks, I'm a big fan of Wolf Fuller. For better or worse, has played very, very well when healthy. And then Randall Cobb, I think, is still underrated at this point. So thirty-six points from him was very nice to see. Um, Derek Henry, I'm not going to talk about him. Uh, Kenyon Drake, you can say that he got lucky with that 69-yard rushing touchdown with under two minutes left, but you can't take away those points. Uh, The Dallas defensive front just did not want to stop him for whatever reason, and so he comes away with a 28-point performance when a lot of people were writing him off uh, for dead. Obviously, he had Adrian Peterson on the bench, who if he had... Subbed him in for Mark Ingram, who again has just looked awful this year. He probably would have had the the all-time leading performance, but again, it didn't really matter. Looking at receiver, he only started three, and they all went for double-digit points. Julio Jones, you know, he's back healthy. People were saying how he's old, and Calvin Ridley's, you know, the current number one receiver there. Julio Jones kind of showed them up this week, going for eight for 137. and then. Adam Thielen had a quiet game, but he did have a receiving touchdown to you know, make the most of it. Um, same thing with Robert Woods. Zach Ertz, he's going to be out for several weeks. And to be honest, even when he's been playing this year, he's not looked good at all, which does not make sense given how bad the receiving core currently is in Philadelphia and how you know, involved Ertz has been historically. So it really just does not make sense why he has not performed this year. Very concerned about the tight end position. Although, uh, Jimmy Graham is... a Nick Foles has been targeting him. So it's very low floor kind of option. Or low ceiling, high floor kind of deal. And then on the defensive side, uh, again, if you're scoring 250 points, your defense has to blow up. Calais Campbell had three sacks to come away with 17.5 on the week. DeForest Buckner had nine and a half. John Johnson had nine points. Danny Trevathan had eight. Jayon Brown had eight. And again, there's just so much performance. Uh, you know, such a high level of performance from everybody on this team, and that's including having Brandon Graham on the bench with 13 and a half, and Logan Ryan with 13 on the bench. Great performance by the Spiders. Uh, we really don't need to, you know, boost Jason's ego too much. You know, he's now back in the playoffs in the sixth seed. Great performance by this team this week. Moving on to the high tide, right up top,
0: I. Do do want to give Philip Rivers credit. He had a very nice week this week, uh, putting up 26.74 points, uh, definitely his highest of the season, which was super fucking ballsy from a trend. I give credit there. I know it's hindsight, but starting him over Matt Ryan against the horde Minnesota Vikings defense took a lot of balls, and I wouldn't have done it, but it wouldn't have made a difference in this matchup. Uh, Again, with Carson Wentz, uh, he looked good uh he threw a lot of deep balls uh two of them were dropped he could have had an even better day but really he just had a really uh nice fourth quarter that kind of saved his fantasy day so moving forward i expect wentz and rivers kind of to drop back to earth matt ryan to continue being the startable option for this uh for this team looking at the running backs Uh, This was a very nice week overall from the running backs. Connor putting up nearly 17, David Johnson, 13 and a half. Uh, Ronald Jones looking phenomenal, putting up 25. Uh, Devin Singletary kind of looking like trash, uh, quite honestly. But overall, I think this is such a volatile running back group that is going to be so touchdown dependent. Uh, James Connors looked good. He's had over 100 yards in three out of his five games, but... We all know the injury concerns there. Um, It's hard to put confidence behind James Conner just because of the injuries. But when he is in there, this is kind of what we're expecting at this point. David Johnson has slowly kind of lost efficiency throughout this season. Um, But again, his kind of expected performance is kind of hovering between 10 and 14 points, which you really can't complain about. Ronald Jones, this is really interesting one for me, uh, especially once Leonard Fournette comes back healthy. With Fournette out and Ronald Jones getting the volume of the work, he's looked really good, really efficient. He's shown in several games that he could catch the ball out of the backfield, which Brady always values. I'm just, I'm really curious to see how the uh, carries are going to be split between the two. Obviously, the Buccaneers wouldn't invest into Fournette if they didn't believe in him, but at this rate, it's so hard to. Uh, Sit, Ronald Jones on specific plays. So, moving forward, we're gonna see how that gets spread out. I know you're not a Ronald Jones believer, but at some point, he's gonna win you over. We're you're you're gonna watch.
1: I wouldn't be a good fancy player if I uh, changed my mind on a player. So I have to, you know, put my boots in the mud. You know, cover them with uh, maybe some cement. You know, just force myself to not be able to move.
0: All right, quick, uh, quick, quick tangent. What's your thoughts on DK Metcalf right now?
1: I think he's getting overvalued. Um, for those of you that don't really keep up with Dynasty, you know, like ADP and rankings on Twitter, uh, he's currently uh like almost the consensus number one overall receiver over guys like Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams. Um and I guess I'll also mention that CeeDee Lamb is now considered uh the number two. Um I, I think in general, Dynasty players on Twitter are getting way too youth centric. Um and this is definitely gonna be a tangent, but just I think that people just overvalue having a player for, you know, X amount of years, even though a lot of us like to make trades. And so these players aren't necessarily going to be on our teams for, you know, a decade plus. Like, he's been great. DK Metcalf, I mean, I was not a fan of him, but he's played really well. But number one overall receiver over guys like Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas, who not only have that long-term upside as elite receivers, but they've done it for several years now and they get a ton of receptions which is the 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 uh you know the crutch to DK Metcalf is that he's only had I don't think he's had more than five receptions in a game and so I I just think that people are they're going too fast with him I think they need to take a step back he's probably he's definitely top 10 right now in terms of value but I don't think there's any reason to put him number one
0: I agree. I think there's actually a lot of similarities between uh, Chase Claypool and DK Metcalf, just in terms of uh, body, what they look, uh, the routes they run and the way they're used in the offense. Obviously, uh, DK Metcalf had the better combine performance. He's with the better quarterback and he's put up better numbers. And so that's why he's ranked higher. But I think it's very interesting uh, seeing which fantasy owners kind of value that high ceiling go for these huge games with only four or five catches, as opposed to ones that value more uh guys like Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, guys that are going to get those eight to twelve receptions in a lot of games. And so seeing that value that you mentioned kind of differ between young high ceiling guys or these older, uh more consistent guys is very interesting. And I'm curious to see which receiver or which owners land on what side of receivers they value more but talking about Devonte adams here we mentioned him several times he had an okay day uh for someone that was in a horrific packers offense this past week putting up nine points uh jameson crowder being the target hog for the jets uh any player on the jets you shouldn't feel good to own but honestly i think jameson crowder is probably the best option there at the moment uh putting up seven catches for 48 points and chris godwin i mentioned earlier he and mike evans were definitely disappointing especially in a day where Tampa Bay puts up 38 points. But overall, three wide receivers giving you about near 25 points. You, you can't really complain about that. Travis Kelsey looked good. Like I mentioned earlier, he's the tight end one in scoring on the year, which nobody ever contested that in a season, uh, season-based season ranking that he's better than George Kittle. Everyone's just saying Kittle's the much uh, better all-around uh, player that, he doesn't have a Tyreek Hill-esque type of player to kind of take targets away. But Kelsey's just been a difference maker. The dude's put up 14 points, 19 and a half, nearly 12, eight and a half, nearly 21 and 19. That's, that's phenomenal from uh, the tight end position. And just, I'm going to look really quick. So right now, uh, throughout the entire year, Travis Kelsey has scored 93 and a half points. The next closest is George Kittle at 66.7, nearly a 30-point difference. That's that's such a difference maker, man. And for a team with playoff aspirations and title aspiration, that's phenomenal. And just for comparison, the top four what wa- I can't talk. The top four wide receivers have scored 103 and a and a half, and ninety-four and a half. Travis Kelsey is putting up numbers as a top wide receiver. That's insane, man. Absolutely phenomenal. I know there's a lot of Dynasty content uh, creators that kind of had Tyreek Hill uh, coming into this season as their wide receiver one solely because of the Patrick Mahomes extension and because of the potential fantasy output for years to come. But all those points and all that fantasy output is really going to Travis Kelsey this year, which is obviously nice for owners that have him now, and they're not going to complain at all. Moving on to Trent's defense, this was very top heavy. You had three player or four players score above 10, and then you had three players score less than three. You had uh, Levante David, 13 and a half, Devin White, 15 and a half, Jamel Dean, 11.5, and a half, and Jordan Poyer, 10 and a half. Those are just some carry performances, quite frankly, uh, that overshadowed the Sheldon Richardson two and a half, the Carlos Dunlap one, and the Everson Griffin point five overall it sucks when you put up nearly 208 points and get a loss this is a very nice output for the high tide especially having that number four fancy receiver dk metcalf on the bench it's a little disrespectful that he let my man tim patrick on the bench um don't you ever start devin singletary over him again trent anyway The high tide are looking much better than I anticipated. I mentioned earlier that they have a very volatile uh, running back room, but when they hit on the week, the high tide can really compete with anybody. So I'm very interested. Uh, We've kind of talked about all the teams at this point. So right now, just kind of have a little bit of a recap and a relapse. I think the true contenders so far for the title have got to be the high tide, the magicians, the wildfire, and then I still have you in fourth, just because I do think if you squeak into the playoffs and your players get healthy, you can compete with the other three as well. So I definitely think there's a true four that are really viable for the uh, for the championship. I was wondering if I can get some of your comments on that.
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely think I mean given that the injuries that I've sustained aren't necessarily long term or you know season long, I still have a chance. But right now, I would definitely you know, bet against my team. If, you know, if I looking at the field of the magicians, the wildfire, I think are the clear one, two. Then I probably would put the high tide up there. And then if the, the Wendigos do make a move for running back, I could see them kind of being in that next group. And then obviously the Grovers have the talent, but right now things just aren't clicking. I would, I'd still probably keep the Grovers up there, um, but I think it's probably those five, Jason outside of this one huge week has kind of been not the best this year. So I don't want to, but I I think at this point it's pretty safe to say that, you know, Ryan is in the playoffs and he has Pat Mahomes and George Kittle. So complete, you know, dark horse there. There There's some teams that can probably just start looking to the future there that I mentioned, but it still is anyone's game at this point outside of those couple teams. And yeah, it's definitely, you know, going to be interesting to come back here in about three weeks when we do our next standings update and see if uh, any of these teams have kind of fallen out since then.
0: Yeah. So like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast uh, coming up in the next week or so, I'm going to be talking Aaron into doing a halfway recap since we only have 13 weeks of the regular season. It's kind of, you have to pick between week six and week seven as to which the halfway point. But uh, I'm curious If anyone wants to kind of jump on, we're going to go through each team and kind of just talk about the past performance for the team as a whole, uh, a little bit of an expectation. And then as an owner, if you want to jump on and just give a little bit of comments about your team, how you feel about them and what you expect moving forward, just reach out to Aaron or I. uh, So that way we can kind of get a feel for how many people want to be on. So we know if we need to split into two episodes or not. But that's the outlook moving forward. Uh, Anything else, Aaron? uh nope not for me all righty well you heard it here guys uh again sorry for not having an episode the past two weeks Uh, a little bit our fault a little bit not but we're back at you with some content and hopefully we'll keep this consistent moving forward so thanks for listening and later nerds
1: peace out